Yo. <coughs> Yo. Yo. Welcome to the uh, the podcast Thanksgiving special. This podcast is going to be a repeat guest. It's uh, Sheffrey and Laura from Sheffrey Life. Uh, but it's for a reason. It's for Thanksgiving. We're going to go over everything you need to know to make your Thanksgiving dinner. I, I find it to be a helpful podcast. I'll tell you the truth is, about a year ago when I was still in radio, I did this almost exact show for the Wham 1180 Food and Wine Show, and uh, it went over real well. People really enjoyed that. It, just basically two guys, or in this case, two guys and a girl, sitting around just kind of shooting the shit, talking about how are you going to prep your Thanksgiving. So I got some specific recipes out of these guys, some strategies. It's one of those things where it's like a lot of people this year are making Thanksgiving dinner for the first time, or they're at least making part of it for the first time. By the way, the background noise, I'm in my car. Just left the factory. Just left the plant. Man, I was just making this stuff. I want to tell you about it. I'm bound to confidentiality in all of our recipes. So basically, I can either tell you what I was making or I can tell you who I was making it for. Uh, so I want to give the brand a plug, but at the same time, I really want to tell you. Well, I think I can kind of get around it and tell you a little bit of both. So I was making this um, just now, literally just leaving the factory. We just put together this blueberry, um, like, blueberry i guess it's a blueberry dressing like a salad dressing um and it just takes pound like tons of dozens and dozens of pounds of blueberries and it gets boiled and then it sits overnight and then it gets but anyway at the end it is delicious just fantastic stuff and i'm like holy cow i had a part in making that just now you know because i was helping dump stuff in the kettle but um but anyway just delish so yeah i'm just leaving the factory i'm in the car on my way to pick up pizza my wife bought a Thanksgiving. I knew this was going to happen, by the way. She bought a Thanksgiving pot pie from Newberry Park Pastries. Kate, a lot of people who go to the farmer's markets know Kate. She, um, she's a regular at Brighton Farmer's Market and Rochester Public Market. She sells the chicken pot pies, and then she always has a couple special pot pies. Well, right now she's doing the Thanksgiving pot pie. And it's a special. I mean, her pot pies are usually 20 bucks, And this one is 35 bucks, I think. Because uh, it's got a ton of stuff in it. I mean, it's Thanksgiving dinner basically in a pie. And Tracy Schumacher from the DNC did a story on her. And then she basically sold out. So if you didn't get your order in by a week ago, you weren't going to be able to get a Thanksgiving pie by Thanksgiving. I told Ryan, I go, it's great that we're getting a Thanksgiving pie, but... You know, I predicted what's happening. I go, you're not going to want to eat the pie so close to Thanksgiving, though. We don't want to have Thanksgiving dinner tonight, being Saturday night. We don't want to have Thanksgiving dinner Saturday night and then again next Thursday. Like, it's too much Thanksgiving. They used to say too much birthday. It's too much birthday. Too much of a good thing. So, in fact, we decided to put the pie in the freezer, and I'm on my way to go pick up pizza right now. Um... I know I'm kind of all over the place here. I swear I'll come back to the the original point of people making Thanksgiving dinner for the first time. But uh, I'm going to get pizza right now from a place called Captain Tony's on Winton. Do you know it? It's it's interesting. It's this little pizzeria, and I'm going to say nice things. So if anyone is a Captain Tony's fan, don't get mad at me for what I'm about to say. But Ryan liked it. Before we started dating, even 10 years ago, she liked this Captain Tony's, and her father was always a Captain Tony's fan. And the first time she ever had me try Captain Tony's, I was like, what the hell is so special about this? 
I go, it's fine. They specialize in, like, deep dish pizza. But I go, it's fine, but it's not that great. But I have to admit, over the years, she has converted me into a fan. And while I still am not going to say that Captain Tony's is the best pizza in Rochester, I can't tell you that and keep a straight face. I will tell you that it's pretty good. And that if I'm not going to make it to Fiorella or Fiamacentro for pizza, I'm, I, I think Captain Tony's was probably my top choice now. And that's worked its way up over the years. That one's come up in the rankings over the years. Anyway, they specialize in deep dish. So it's like a Chicago-style pizzeria. Now that the Detroit style is all the rave, uh, maybe the Chicago style will become popular again as well. Anyway, so Thanksgiving, that's what this episode's all about. How are you going to do your Thanksgiving? What are you going to do? Strategies, recipes, etc., etc. By the way, and we'll see if it comes true, that Wall Street Journal article that I told you about last week, apparently that's coming out tomorrow, as in Monday. So we'll see about that. Uh, again, I'm still saying believe it when I see it because it's the Wall Street freaking journal. And I am excited. Don't get me wrong. I will think that is so badass if it actually happens. But uh, again, believe it when I see it till it actually happens. And I think that's about it. Before we get to the podcast, I do want to make a documentary recommendation to you. Last Saturday, I think it was, I ended up having a little bit of time on my hands. Leo went and took a nap. You'll notice anytime I have time on my hands, it's mostly because my son has, has taken a nap. <laughs> any, any other time, I'm not going to have time on my hands. Anyway, I um, was looking for a good documentary, and I literally Googled best documentaries of 2020, and a handful of them were ones I had already seen. And then I came across one that said Class Action Park. And I was like, what the hell is this? So I click on the description, and it talks about a water park in New Jersey that closed in the late 90s but was open basically throughout the 80s and into the 90s that was just like there were just like no rules it was a water park but without the rules and regulations and people were constantly getting hurt injured and and there were a couple of deaths and so that's where the documentary takes a couple dark turns is when you learn about some kids dying literally dying at this water park but basically this place was allowed to operate for years and years essentially skating around all of the rules and regulations uh you know like the rule that said you have to have insurance the owner of the park started his own insurance agency offshore in the cayman islands and then sold himself insurance for a dollar that basically didn't cover shit so he could continue to run his park i mean how crazy is this so anyway the place was called action park and the documentary is called class action park it's a play on the obviously the legal side of things but i just i thought it was so good i i'll tell you the truth as they're going through and talking about all the different rides i'm just watching this thing and i'm just going like this is crazy and i actually when i was 18 years old i used to just have you know i used to think i was invincible like all teenagers did and i'm looking at this going i think even when i was a teenager i might have been afraid of some of these rides. like they had one ride that's just this giant water slide that is so steep that you basically your butt doesn't even stick to the thing and then at the bottom you go around a loop and and you come out you know and you get all discombobulated and you come out and the first couple of times that they put like dummies down there like crash dummies they would come out like dismembered so then eventually they fixed a couple of things and then they needed some live people to actually experiment like some guinea pigs and the owner of the park was offering the kids that work there 100 bucks each 
to try this water slide that could potentially kill you. <laughs> and people were coming out with their faces bloody and stuff. And that was just one of the rides. Now, that one, they even admit. They're like, we, we shut that one down after a couple of weeks. That one was bad. Then they had this other one where you basically go down a cement slide down an entire hill. And that was where they actually had their first ever death was somebody fell off. People fell off all the time, it says, but somebody actually fell off and, like, fell into a pile of rocks. They had a wave pool that was just cranked up way too damn high, so people were drowning. They described the water was just, like, a combination of blood and, like, piss, and, you know, it was disguised. It's, like, it's really unbelievable when you watch this documentary that this park was allowed to function. There's still a water park there to this day, but it has been converted into a more of a, um, I don't know, sort of a more law-abiding water park, I suppose, is the best way to put it. Uh, but really good documentary. It's on HBO Max, which is the only pain in the ass. But HBO Max is doing a seven-day free trial, so that's what I did. I actually signed up for the seven-day free trial, and you can just, after seven days, just cancel it. So, um... Yeah, I think that's it. Without further ado, Sheffrey and Laura, together they call themselves Sheffrey Life. Everything you need to know going into Thanksgiving. I guess I should silence my cell phone first, even though, you know what? This is not a pod. Let me just explain something about this podcast right now. This is not a podcast. No. This is not a podcast. Not a podcast. This is, this is a guy Uh who happens to know a couple of chefs Uh who's about to embark on a mission to make Thanksgiving dinner for the first time. Oh man. uh, Ever. Ever. (laughs) (laughs) Calling in a favor with his favorite chefs and, uh, and saying, can you guys come teach me how to make Thanksgiving dinner? (laughs) I I think we can do this. (laughs) Can we do Uh, Yeah, we can pull this off. Okay. Man. All right. It's uh, Sheffrey and Laura are back. Yes. And before we do anything, let's talk about the, the competition that you're in right now. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm What's in going the on? Greatest Bakers Competition. Okay. It's uh, it's basically all online this year because of uh, you know, stupid COVID. So uh, basically, what you do is you go to my uh, my Facebook page, and or I think Polly put it on his Facebook page I as do, well, yeah. and you just ba- basically vote for me. Yeah. And uh, right now, I made it past the top twenty. I made it down to the top 10 and then to the top five. Wow. Now now I have to go to the top one and that's where I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're holding in third right now. I'm in third. So I've got to, I got to push it. I got to be in number one. Do you have to bake anything at any point in this competition? I am not sure. Actually, I imagine towards the end when you get to the the top four people, that's when something will happen, but who knows with COVID. Well, good. You're moving right. I didn't realize that you'd gone through a couple rounds already. I have indeed. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Excellent. And, and I can attest, you know, because she had to do the photo shoot on the food, so I've sampled all the stuff. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's killer. It's Very absolutely good. awesome. Do chef, when chefs get married to each other, <laughs> is there any, you know, sometimes some people, they don't want to work together, right. you know, but you guys work together. Yes. With Chef Free Life, you work together. Yes. yes. Is there any budding heads in the kitchen, or do you guys both have your things? Um, you know, it's what's interesting is when we first um, were working together and, um, and and going down that road, uh, she was very uh, demure, right? She just yes, chef, yes, chef, yes, chef. I was literally afraid <laughs> right? to to show him what I knew because I figured it it just could not. Now be. fast forward three years, and now I'll do something, and she'll look at me and go, "No, that's just stupid." <laughs> so yeah, we've we've. It's it's working out. And, and do you learn from each other too? I mean, you oh, both absolutely. have your strengths, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you both definitely. taught each other things. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep, most he definitely. won't admit it usually. <laughs> oh yeah. no, no. You're come on. Your 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 bean ham and bean soup crushes mine. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's yours is twenty minutes and mine's five hours. So. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> how are you going to argue with that? No, you got it. You got you got. Well, she- chefs are very difficult to disagree with because uh, all chefs oh. are under the impression that they're always right all the time. I have a t- I have right? a T-shirt that says I may be wrong, but I doubt it. That's right. Yeah, it's one of my favorite t-shirts. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, as I started off by saying, this is not a podcast. This is just a guy who invited a couple friends over and said, "Let me record this conversation because maybe it'll be useful to people." <laughs> right. And timely. But basically, what's happening is I canceled Thanksgiving in Ohio, yeah. sure. where I go with my friend. And a lot of people do this, but mm-hmm. a lot of people have had to do this. And exactly. I don't know if it's coming out or not. I talked about this on my podcast last weekend. Um, I actually got interviewed by the Wall Street Journal because of a tweet that I put out that said that I was making Thanksgiving dinner for the first time. Wow. This woman called me and identified herself as a reporter and said that she had... She had this idea for a story for their life section because people don't realize it's not just a business. They've got a lifestyle right, section. Right, right. And I don't know when that story is actually going to come out, if it's even going to come out. That's <laughs> maybe, cool. Man. Maybe I was a shitty interview. and like, it's like a, But anyway, the whole interview was about people who are making Thanksgiving for the first time because they have to. Sure. Because plans got canceled. So that's me. I'm okay. in that situation. Yeah. I've always kind of made fun of Thanksgiving. Well, I'll say this. I've always kind of made fun of Turkey because mm-hmm. it seems like ter- anything that basically, you know, Turkey, like you just take it, put it in an oven, take it out of the oven and you can eat it. <laughs> seems Pretty a little... much, Polly. I mean, it's honestly the easiest thing there is to make. Well, there, there are some nuances. People freak out. Yeah, they there are some out. nuances. But yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Well, I'm getting a fresh turkey, but I yeah. know the number one mistake made nationwide every year is people who buy frozen turkeys mm-hmm. and then yep. they wake up Thanksgiving morning uh-huh. and, uh-huh. and they have yeah. a frozen turkey. They, they still have a frozen turkey. Right. Yeah, I mean, right out of the gate, that thing's got to be in the fridge for three days. At least three time. days. You know, so that means... You know, Monday evening, this coming Monday, if you if you bought it over the weekend, just put it in the fridge, put it in a pan, put yeah. it on the bottom shelf, and, and forget about it for a few days and let it thaw. Okay. All yeah. right. This is coming out Sunday, so tomorrow. It's called yeah. tomorrow. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Out. So, yeah. yeah, literally tomorrow. Now, uh, some of the instructions I have coming from the, uh, the home front are okay. that I am not allowed to deep fry, which I'm fine with. Okay. No deep yeah. fry. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of, it's delicious, but it's a fad. There's, we, there's other ways to do we it. We do have a turkey roaster. Okay. Is that no good? You don't like I, it? You know what I don't like about those is the way they heat. Imagine that roasting pan has a, has a heating element right about the middle of the pan, right about halfway up the side of the pan. Yeah. So it'll get, it'll get to temperature, but the top of the turkey, the breast and all that, it'll cook. It's never going to turn brown. 
Really? Okay. Yeah, never going to turn brown, never going to get crispy. Okay. Yeah, so I because guess it's right under the lid if you think about it. Well, then I'm left, I guess, with the oven. That's sure. my only real That's option right. here. Can yeah. I do this well in an oven? Oh, oh absolutely. Can, yeah. Yep. What do you suggest? And also, what the hell is brining? Everyone says <laughs> brine, brine, brine. I don't even know what a brine is. Yeah. Okay. Well, and this is so we're going to have to dig in a little bit on this because okay. uh, the common concept is to brine but the problem is is if you bought a frozen turkey and you slacked it it's probably already been brined whenever you look on a package and it says injected with a solution of up to 12 percent or whatever that's a that's a saline solution to flavor the meat okay. and you're going to find that a lot on frozen turkeys not all of them okay. so make sure you read the details because if you brine a previously infused turkey you're going to have turkey jerky it's going to be super salty. Okay. Okay. And I have had some salty turkey. I'm, yeah. I'm sure I've run into what you're talking about. A- absolutely. Now, I can tell you, I think what the advice you're giving right now is great for most of our audience. Mm-hmm. I can tell you specifically for me, mine is coming from Headwater. And right. it's a fresh. And it's a fresh bird from Headwater Food Hub. Yeah. Love their stuff over there. So if you want to brine that, there's a couple ways to do it. Okay. okay? I got a pen, by uh, the way. We, we, there's two types. <laughs> there's a wet brine and a dry brine. Okay. And, and. Laura likes to keep it super, super simple. So if you want to keep it super simple, it's a gallon of water, a cup of salt, and a cup of sugar. Okay. That's yep. the wet. One gallon water. Yep. One cup salt. Uh-huh. One cup sugar. Yeah. And now what you have to bear in mind here, and this is where you got to put a little work in, you got to heat the water up to melt the salt and sugar. Okay. Then you have to cool it back down. Okay. Oh, okay. That brine needs to be at 40 degrees. So you got to throw it in the fridge and let it get cold. Okay. Okay. There's another way you could do it. Okay. And this is, you know, the chefry nerd way. Um, <laughs> boil half a gallon of water. Okay. And then add a half a gallon of ice. Oh, yeah. Right. That's a nice little, yeah. So that cools it's it down. It's a trick. Too. Yeah, yeah. A little trick. A little, okay. uh, little shortcut. So, and then, and then do I, am I literally just rubbing the turkey? No, you're going to throw it in, uh, you're going to throw it in a stock pot with the liquid. You're going to submerge this thing. So you might find yourself having to make, say, two gallons of liquid. So just double everything. Okay. But the idea here is that um, the, the saline solution, the sweet solution, uh, is going to use osmosis to pass in through the meats. Uh, in the proteins, right? So the osmotic process wants everything to be even. So it's going to try to take that high concentration of salt and sugar and push it into the bird um, where there is no salt and sugar. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really what all the brine's doing. And, and again, you can take that solution of salt, sugar, and water and add anything you want, aromatics, garlic, and rosemary, or however you want to flavor it. That's what you can add to the brine. But the brine itself, just water, sugar, and salt. Okay, but I'm still confused about exactly how do I apply this yep. to the bird? What so happens? So take, uh, take, take uh, a cooler. Take a cooler. Okay. Perfect. Take a cooler. Dump the liquid into the cooler. Take the bird out of the bag. Drop it in there. Leave it overnight. It should oh. technically be covered Yeah, yeah. Okay. You wanna, with this liquid. So you'll want to double it if fully, it's a large... Yeah. Turkey. Fully submerged. Okay, got it. All yeah. right, so that's our wet brine. Yeah. All right. Now, my preferred method is omitting the water. Okay, this is dry brine. This is something that is very popular in barbecue circuits with brisket and pork and things like that. We're going to take salt. We're going to rub the inside of the bird. We're going to rub the outside of the bird. We're going to put it on a rack, and we're going to stick it in the fridge overnight uncovered. Uncovered. So rub it with salt. Bring it out. 
I remember when you gave me your yeah. ribs recipe once, yep. it was it was uncovered yep. in the fridge, mm-hmm. and I remember having to argue with my wife, <laughs> saying, no, 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 it's uncovered on purpose. She's like, ew, and ew. I was like, no, no, this is on purpose. Yeah. This is on purpose. Well, in this, in, we're going to do it for the same reason. It's not only is osmosis is still going to happen, so we're still flavoring it, but we're also drying the skin out so we get that pellicle, that dry, crispy, roasted, yummy skin. It's the same reason we did it on the um, on the pork ribs. So you crust it with salt, you rest it overnight, take it out the next day, rinse it. Rinse all the salt off. Okay. And then re-season with whatever kind of dry rub you like. Laura, what do you like? Uh, what, do, what do you want to use in you your dry You can rub? actually go to the grocery store and buy a turkey dry rub that you can put right mm-hmm, on there. Mm-hmm. Poultry seasoning, um, yeah, rosemary. Well, there's actually one for turkeys. But um, I, I, I mean, you can go as crazy as lifting up the skin under, above the breast. And you can put whole herbs in there like sage and parsley sure. and rosemary sure. and yep. then when it when it cooks it becomes um almost see-through and you can see the herbs through it's really yeah, it's, pretty it's good look or you can basically just put butter on the outside of it sure. and a little salt and pepper and let it go i mean i i like to you're going to reapply some salt right because mm-hmm. we rinsed it all off because we were just using it as a tool um, but, you know, a, a decent amount of salt and then some poultry seasoning, maybe some rosemary. Um, you know, garlic is always good. And and like Laura said, either some butter or some oil. Olive oil works to, well. To rub it in, that's really going to make that skin nice and crisp. Now, what about the bake time for the turkey? Is there some trick, you know, oh, it's a half hour per pound or sure. something? Or what yeah, you, yeah. and we were discussing this on the way over. We're, we're at about 15 to 20 minutes per pound. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other secrets that we can look for here, and that's in a that's in a 350 oven. Okay. On a fully thawed turkey. Yeah, fully thawed. If there's still any ice on the inside of that turkey, then you're gonna, it's gonna have you're to gonna go. Have to, you're, you're gonna 25. bump it up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I mean, realistically, you know, it's funny. Growing up, my um, the the place we went to for Thanksgiving, my my uncle would get up at like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And put the turkey in. And he would cook it at 302 degrees for 19 and a half hours, it seemed like. And, and you know, it's, it's not that long. I mean, realistically, uh, a turkey, you know, 16-pound turkey, something like that, it's about three hours, three and a half hours. Nothing crazy. Um, and what you're looking for, first of all, ignore the stupid little timer. If the bird has the timer, ignore that little thing they stuff in. It's, they're, they're useless. Um, what we're looking for, or what I always say, are the obvious signs of doneness, right? Certainly the skin's going to be brown. Um, you know, we want the breast to be... F- <laughs> We'll have the breast to be firm. Why is that funny? I don't know. Uh, it's nothing funny about that at all, is there, Laura? Not at all. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> the brown skin, firm breast, and um, and uh, loose loose joints. Uh, oddly enough, sure. Um, yeah. So basically, and and this is the tough part because the the turkey breast will always cook super fast. Um, the thighs are what you're watching for. Uh, not where the drumstick connects to the thigh, not where the leg connects to the thigh, but where the thigh connects to the main torso of the bird. You want to be able to take that thigh and wiggle it very easy. So you should be able to reach in the oven with a pair of tongs, grab uh, grab it by uh, the joint between the, the leg and the thigh, and wiggle it. Okay. And if it moves freely, then it's, it's most likely cooked. And the last test I do is take a toothpick or a, a bamboo skewer, and I skewer that joint between the thigh and the torso, and the liquid that comes out should be clear. Okay. So those are those are absolute signs of doneness. My uh, my wife has a tendency to always be afraid meat isn't hasn't been cooked. Oh, a lot Certainly. Of people are like yeah. That. Right. And so she. Uh, but the, where we will get in some battles sometimes is there are some meats 
where like pink or a little mm-hmm. red or something mm-hmm. is actually kind of okay. Sure. And I'm not just yeah. talking about steak. Right. Everyone knows obviously with right. steak. Right. Not poultry. But not poultry. No. This is no good. Mm-hmm. No yeah. red, no pink, nothing right. at all. Well, it, you have to be cautious because there's you know, there's always an asterisk to every rule in the kitchen. And, and that is that, yes, we don't want to cut into the turkey breast and see any translucency or any pink color whatsoever. However, by dry brining the surface, uh, and you see this a lot in uh, barbecue and in smoking, that salt will actually right. turn the top layer of the meat pink. Pink. Okay. And so if you peel the skin back and you're like, oh, that's pink, that's, that's a resultant of the salt. It's okay. when you get internal, we don't want to see the pink meat. The other caveat there is sometimes when you get into the thighs or into the leg and thigh connection, um, if it wasn't thawed all the way, the, it's really scientific and silly, but the myoglobin in the bone um, doesn't have a chance to escape and turn gray. So when you open up the joint, if it was frozen, you might see a little pink. It doesn't mean that the meat's r- uh, rare or okay. raw. Okay. So okay. there are some complexities to it. But, you know, a good general rule, 15 to 20 minutes a pound, you're going to be solid. How will you guys do your turkey? Is it the way we just described or do you have some, do you yeah. do a turducken or something? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Laura's got a dessert plan, though, that we'll have to talk about. But, okay. um, you know, I, over the years, I think I've done just about everything. Uh, you know, we're, we're not even sure what our Thanksgiving is looking like at this point because, yeah. you know, all of our kids are in their own little pods. And so it might just be her and I. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think probably just a traditional roast, a dry brine and, okay. and then yeah. a rub with some fresh herbs and and roast it and just do it. No, when we're ask. all together, we do a couple turkeys and we do them, tend to do them different ways. Sure. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, smoke one this or something like that. This a different story. Yeah. Yeah. I do think the, the deep fried turkey is slightly overrated. Of course, the skin is great. Don't get sure. me wrong. The yeah. skin is great. But once you get in there, it's just turkey. You know. It's just turkey. Yeah. It's just turkey. It, you know, I, it's the same way I feel about a hog roast, right? A, a big hog roast is a great spectacle, but it's not the best way to cook all those parts of the hog. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and exactly, the, the deep frying a turkey like a buffalo wing is totally a bro thing to do um mm. but you know meh yeah. there's other ways to do it better let's talk about stuffing there's okay. something that i grew up uh very uh, american italian and our stuffing for thanksgiving was always a meat stuffing yes then i met my very non-italian wife <laughs> and they've got some sort of bread mixture that they call stuffing <laughs> who's right well, and then there's a third option, too, oh, that we'll have to discuss. It's both of them together. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Laura and I, we, we, do the, we do the bread and meat stuffing. So I like, you know, sausage and things like that. So I like a really hearty stuffing. But wait, so yours was just meat? It was what? kind of, it's very, very similar, actually, to my grandpa's meatball recipe with a little yeah. bit of difference. He used, like, okay. the tubed sausage that you can buy from Wegmans, maybe sage or okay. something like that. Yeah. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and I, I, honestly, I haven't gotten the, this is the only recipe of yours I'm not going to write down because I'm right. going to use my my grandfather or my mother will give it to me. Oh, that's fantastic. The meat, the meat right. uh, recipe, but it's a little bit like deconstructed meatloaf, I guess. I don't okay. really know exactly. Did it go in the bird? Yeah, they used to put it in the bird. It's really? got big things of celery in it. Okay. You know? It's, it's very much like a stuffing with sausage in it, but it's more but, sausage but, with a little stuffing in it. But, but yeah. no, no bread yeah, in this exactly at all. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any yeah. bread no. crumb or anything? I think there is some breadcrumb in there, and there's some bit. cheese in there. So it's okay. again, it, it, it's re- when it, when I make my meatball recipe, mm-hmm. it's very similar to that. It's got a few deviations uh, okay. from it, okay. but it's a a same basic feel to it. Like I said, the celery is sure. different, you know. But anyway, that's and then my my wife, they have this bread stuffing sure. that mm-hmm. they just think is the best. And I'm always like, that's lame, that's lame. <laughs> well, and they, you know, there there's an there's um 
there's a stuffing that I had in my 20s. It came from um, a Sicilian grandmother. And it was a bread stuffing, and the bread, uh, it, it was, uh, there was so much eggs and milk in it that the bread dissolved, and then she rebaked the whole thing, and we sliced it. Ooh. And it, and it had, like, cherries and nuts in it. And it, it was almost like, it reminded me of a fruitcake, but it was baked inside of the turkey, and it was so weird to watch. You know, she literally slid this chunk oh. of baked <laughs> solid bread stuffing out of the bird looked like the turkey was given birth and <laughs> out of the pop and then she'd do these big slices of it and it was uh, it was interesting well uh, let me ask you i know you're i'm gonna put you on the spot here because i know you're a food history guy okay. are you as into the history of food I am, you are okay yeah. mm-hmm. so for both of you then i don't know if either one even know the answer and i'm putting you on the spot the history of stuffing sure i mean it had to just be there was a turkey and they saw a big hole in the middle and they were like let's put some in there what did the pilgrims put in the, the damn turkey? I don't know. What they put in? Gladys, get the stale bread. Um, you know, it um, it was a meal stretcher. Um, so so stuffing has only been around since maybe the 30s or 40s. Uh, it was a depression era food um, because you know, and and I mean, you've always seen stale bread get used and turned into other things. But it, the idea was that you could get. The, the bread and, and the trimmings and the, and the, you know, the giblets that come in the little uh, bag that no one ever takes out of the turkey when they put it in the oven. Um, it's just a way to use all that and, and feed more people. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's you know. a savory bread pudding. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love stuffing. Okay. Big mm-hmm. thing. So do you want to give a stuffing recipe though? Since I, I'm not going to write this one down, yep, but sure. for the, for the four listeners we still have, <laughs> do you want to, uh... <laughs> Laura and I are two of them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well three of them are sitting yeah, at this table right now. I just want to hear our own voices. <laughs> um, yeah. So mine, I, uh, we typically use, I mean, I've, I've, Cut my own cubes, or I bought the bag. Bag works fine. I like to mix the cornbread and the regular, um, um, you know, pumpernickel breadcrumb mix that you buy. Uh, so the breadcrumbs, uh, some chicken stock until they're they're soaked. Uh, I'm an egg person. I like a few eggs in there to bind everything together. You, you're done with the eggs, right, Laura? Yeah, I'm done yep. with the eggs. Yeah. So with the eggs, uh, some uh, cooked sage breakfast sausage, some caramelized onions, some celery, some carrots, collectively known as mirepoix, right? Salt, saute all that ahead of time. Uh, then I add uh, apples and uh, walnuts or pecans to the whole thing. Um, I think that's probably about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And now I'm for for the fact that it's called stuffing. I never stuff my bird. Uh, mine goes in a pan and then gets tossed in the oven until well, is, it bakes. Isn't there? So, isn't don't you have to be careful about stuffing? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. food safety wise. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, you know that's a 16 pound turkey, and you just put three pounds of packed bread inside of it. So now you're cooking a 20 pound item and the the key is to make sure that the center of that stuffing now gets up to the proper temperature and that's where it always gets tricky because people put eggs in there and they're like oh the bird's done but the stuffing's not done yeah. well and, um, and it also has to do with whether you stuff it the night before or sure. maybe two days before and let it oh, sit yeah. in your fridge yeah. for 24 to 48 hours that's, that's absolutely when, a no-no you know our friend sal goes right yeah. on in there and makes a nice happy home in that stuffing yeah yeah and that's yeah absolutely and that's something i don't think much about anymore but yeah never stuff the bird ahead of time this is last minute if you're gonna do it do it last minute get it right in the oven if, if you want to do it like you just said last minute right in the oven and then temp the middle then of you that. temp temp now you got to temp the turkey and you got to temp the stuffing temp the middle of the stuffing yeah and and you're looking for 160 165 yeah that's there? that's okay. the pretty number okay yeah or any what do you think about stuffing did he nail it do you have anything to add or oh no actually yeah 
we, we go back and forth because some of our kids like the sausage. Some of our kids don't like right. the sausage. And when you have eight kids, there's a lot of opinions. But, <laughs> I mean, you can we, sometimes we, we add more fruit and nuts mm-hmm. and less of the meat. And, yeah, we and, get a little crazy. Dried cranberries and oh, stuff yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, dried cranberries. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. All right. All right. Let's move on to the next thing. Uh, we want. We got to have some sort of green bean casserole, right? Oh, That's yeah. a thing, right? It's the only all time right. of year we eat that, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is a great? What is first of all? What the hell is green bean casserole? It's like mushroom soup, green beans, and like and like Worcestershire sauce. The, the Worcestershire and sauce. Some and the, people put the, the cheese the in there. French onions. The little uh, fried the onions on top. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't remember which company, one of those three companies, had a contest, uh, and somebody won with green bean casserole. I think it was back in maybe the the late '40s, early '50s, and it was just one of those good housekeeping things that they came up with. And you know, the trend, of course, during the '50s, and it's it's even a trend we're starting to see now again with food, is that a lot of people were taking prepared items and either integrating them into a semi-homemade meal or combining them with other prepared items to get get all new dinners. And and that was a big commercialization of the food supply. So I feel like it might have been the 50s when that recipe came out. Is there a trick to this or anything? Or is this really no. just put it all together and throw it yeah. in the oven? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it. you know, you can you can, you can can chef this up as much as you want, right? Yeah. Uh, basically, if you look at it from a, a chef standpoint, this is a, a uh, you know, this is a, a bechamel sauce. Uh, with mushrooms mm-hmm. and uh, sauteed green beans, um, you know, with a crispy onion garnish, right? Sounds mm-hmm. a lot. You could charge more for it if you call it that. Yeah. Uh, so, right. you or, know. or it's Campbell's, you know, or it's Campbell's soup cream of mushroom with, soup. Yeah, with uh, Worcestershire sauce. Uh, it can be fresh or frozen green beans or sure. even canned if you want. And uh, you can throw in some, you know, cheddar cheese and shove it in the oven. Yeah. Turkey yeah. fried onions inside and on top. Mm-hmm. Let's stick with you because the next thing I want to get to is the rolls. And I know this is your forte, right? Uh-huh, yes. 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 So uh, I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to lie. I hope you're not mad. This is the one I'm skipping. This is the one I'm just buying. Um, Hawaiian King Rolls. Hawaiian King. That's best. what I should buy? If you're going to buy okay. something, buy Hawaiian King Hawaiian, Rolls. Can I get that at Wegmans or yes, where do I go? Can. Okay. All right. That's, I'm writing that down. Hawaiian King Rolls. Yes. But okay. So do you want to give us a little advice on bread making? This this has just never really worked out for me. So. Well, I mean, honestly. I need my to hire fa- a chef for life is what I need to do. Again. <laughs> yeah. Bread making. There you yeah, right? Yeah, honestly, my family always does biscuits at Thanksgiving because, as Jeffrey was saying, one of the fillers um, was biscuits and gravy. So my mom would mm. always make fresh biscuits and then throw them into a big uh, soup tureen and then throw gravy right on the top of them. They kind of soak up in the gravy, and I mean, I think it's really good. Jeffrey's Jeffrey's not too thrilled about you it. Just but, sold that. I mean, just oh, right, just dumped yes, it all in. There? Yes. Wow, okay. Right, oh yeah, cool. so good. That's nice. but I like I said, it's a filler, and we're just used to it because okay. we always had it. Is there any easy roll, just compl- just the, the most basic roll recipe that you can give? Ooh, what do you think? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, it you know, the good news is, I mean, and so just for clarification, uh, Laura is the role master. She won the competition two years ago. <laughs> and so I have to acknowledge that every time. But I am a, I'm a, a hobby bread baker. Um, and, and really what it comes down, you can go a couple ways. Uh, it's as simple as a cup of water, a tablespoon of yeast, a teaspoon of sugar, uh, and about two cups of flour. Okay. If you mix that together in that order, mix the sugar, the yeast into the water, and then mix the flour into the water mixture. If you combine that and stick it in a bowl, 
knead it for a couple minutes, stick it in a bowl and, and stick it on the shelf for an hour, it's going to rise. Divide it up into about six or eight pieces, yeah. roll them into some loose shape, throw them in the oven. It's, yeah. it's really, I mean, it's that, it can be that simple. Okay, if you want to make it taste a little better, change out the cup of water for a cup of milk. Mm. Right? It's going to make Ooh. it yeah. taste a little better. I mean, you don't have to get into that rising for an hour yeah. and then punching it down and, yeah. and then proofing it again. Yeah, it doesn't you, need to be. No, with all the yeast that we have these days, you don't have to yeah. go through all that. Remember that bread was an accident, right? Cavemen were making bread and cooking it on rocks. We can. It's, I didn't know that. You know, Is that yeah. the history of it? Uh-huh. Bread? What? Okay, so the short version... Um, Archaeologists used to believe that human civilization changed from being hunter-gatherers to becoming farmers so that we could grow cereal grains, you know, wheat, rice, barley, oats. Uh, They initially thought that we did that because we wanted to then harvest the grains and make bread. That was the original concept. What they found out was they were wrong. We did everything, but it wasn't to make bread. It was to make beer. (laughs) <laughs> right? And so when you make beer, you take that grain that's been sprouted and you boil it and you get, and then you, you strain off the, the grain, you get the wort. That grain has yeast uh, and has carbohydrates in it. So if you just take that byproduct of, of beer making and let it sit in the sun, you'd get a rudimentary sort of bread. So bread was an accidental byproduct of beer making. Bread was, uh, beer was on the scene 2,000 years before bread was. This is an argument for marijuana over beer I'd like to make right now. <laughs> I'm just picturing this. How many years ago is this? This is... This this is would have been, yeah, 6,000 years ago. 6,000 years yeah, ago. Right. There's the, these guys mm-hmm. uh, and, and these, these women who are working their asses off to uh-huh. make beer. They're growing yep. this shit. It's taking them forever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they find, and at the end, they finally get to get a little drunk, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's another guy, two farms down, who's like, I got this plant. Literally, all I do is light it. <laughs> and I'm high. I just dry it and light it. <laughs> And we're good. <laughs> and I'm good. Understood. It seems a little easier. How did the other one take? Well, I guess they both took off pretty yeah, well. Yeah, they, 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 they did. They're both pretty doing well. well. Yeah, they're doing fine. Just <laughs> yeah. one of them's got an uphill battle. Uh, let's talk about gravy. Okay. Let's talk about gravy. Gravy <laughs> should be simple, right? Yep. What do you want to say about gravy? Can you give us a basic way to make gravy? It's Thanksgiving. And oops, oh my goodness. I never bought a gravy mix or whatever. Sure. I need to make gravy right well, now. It, it starts with how you cook the bird, right? So... Um, you either have a nice roasting rack or, you know, you have some utility aluminum foil pan because you only cook a big bird this once a year. So the thing I always do, no matter what you're putting your turkey on, before you put it on that, lay down a couple of carrots, uh, a few stalks of celery, and cut an onion in half and lay it there, and then put the bird on top of those items, okay? And if you're not going to stuff the bird, put some of those items inside the cavity of the bird. All we're going to do is by making that mirepoix, we're going to flavor the drippings that come off the bird. Okay. So then cook the turkey. Okay. Um, Whatever's in the bottom of the pan now becomes gravy. If you've got a durable roasting pan, then you can probably turn your stove on and put the pan on top of it. So take the turkey and let it rest. It's got to rest 45 minutes anyway. So put it over on the counter and cover it up so nobody steals the the breast meat. And, and put that other pan on the stove. Add a little, um, well, I mean, you could add water, right? Yeah, um, or chicken stock or turkey stock or white wine into that pan that has those little bits of black drippings and stuff. Bring it to a boil and get that all loosened up, okay? That's kind of the base for your gravy. Now, if, if you've got a family like ours, you're definitely going to need to add more turkey stock. And, and the one that I recommend right now 
And if they're listening, uh, you know, endorsing this, this, uh, you know, this, this podcast would be wonderful. It's a company called Better Than Bullion. Okay, Better Than Bullion. I know it. I love this stuff. Yeah. Comes in a little jar. It's an eight-ounce jar. And they have probably a 16-product uh, line that is everything from turkey to chicken to clam to ham to a wonderful garlic paste. And they're all meant to be diluted into, um, into stocks. I like these because it lets you control the intensity of the flavor, and plus you can blend a little of the garlic with a little of the turkey. I think they're at most of the local grocery stores. Yeah, you can get them at Wegmans, and they've got like eight or ten of the line. Oh, the one they didn't have at Wegmans was the mushroom, and I oh. bought that online. Yeah, the mushroom, the mushroom is phenomenal. Yeah. Now, Jeffrey just cleaned out the uh, the pantry yesterday, and he admitted... I found nine. What? <laughs> I have nine jars of He said, of Laura, I think I have an issue. <laughs> I, think I, have a, I think I have a bouillon problem. That's right. <laughs> um, what a great idea, though, that those people had, because what was bouillon before was just the cheap little cube. Yeah, right? little, uh, Cubes, a yeah. little... Um, Somebody finally came around and said, I'm going to do a high-end yeah. version, a good version of oh. this of these cheap little That's cubes. Right. Well, and not to veer too far off of the gravy train here for a minute. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what those really work nice as are rubs for meat. Right, mm. you take like a pork tenderloin and you smear that that garlic bouillon paste on there, and then roast it in the oven. It's out of this world. Yeah. So they yeah. they they're so versatile. So absolutely. But you know, basically, you've got that pan full of the drippings. You've got um, you know some white wine in there. Maybe you've got additional turkey stock to put in there, and then season it with herbs or whatever. You know, I, I love rosemary and sage in my gravy. So let that liquid come to a boil for a minute. You're probably going to have to strain it real quick. And then you have to decide how you're going to thicken it. You're either going to thicken it with a slurry of cornstarch and water. Okay, so maybe what, half a, half a cup of water, a couple a tablespoon of cornstarch? Yeah, depending on how much you have, yeah. Blend the cornstarch and water ahead of time. Or flour and water. And you can do flour and water If you as do well. flour and water, you have to do cold water. Cold water. Okay. And so then you want to thicken with either cornstarch and water or flour and water. Dump it in, bring it back to a boil. Uh, if, it's, if it's too thin, just boil it longer. It'll thicken up. Uh, if it's too thick, add a little water. Okay. So, yeah, nothing nothing crazy. Okay. Best okay, thing you can thing. do for thickening, just remember uh, to thicken two cups of liquid. Use uh, a quarter cup of water and a teaspoon of cornstarch. All right, let's move to mashed potatoes. Oh, man. Oh. Now, I did learn recently that there's a difference between smashed potatoes and mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Smashed, I guess, is where you just don't even bother taking off the skin. Is right. that right? Yeah, yeah, is exactly. Is that the only difference, really? The only difference really is the S, yeah. right? So, mm-hmm. it's the skin. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. yeah, the skin. Is there any, do you uh, like smashed or mashed? I'm, I'm a huge fan of smashed potatoes. I With like, the red potatoes. Yeah, the, okay. the little reds, the little yeah. red bees, right? Those little tiny creamer potatoes is yeah. what they're called. Um, I like those because I like the texture and tooth of the skin. It adds a little bit of bitterness, adds, gives you a little chew. Okay. Um, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, you have whipped potatoes, which, you know, have been peeled and they've been steamed and they have a lot of elements like cream and things like that built into them. And then they're whipped and they're super light and they're super fluffy. Those are good, too. It's just my preference is something a little more hearty. Let's go uh, real quick. Let's go down the road of mashed for okay. a second, because right. I think that's probably what mm-hmm. most sure. people end up making. right? Yeah. So let's talk mashed potatoes. Um, wh- first of all, which type of potato? This happens to me all the time. I get there. I get at Wegmans. I'm looking. There's four different types of potatoes. And I always have to pull out my phone mm-hmm. and Google which type of potato, even right 
right now I can't come up with which one's the right one. I can never remember. Honestly, it doesn't matter. Jeffrey ah. will tell you that it does, but honestly... Butting heads. I knew it. Oh, you will it still get a good mashed potato. <laughs> yes, and, and you know what? I'm going to fall back and, and, and recover, but admit uh, that I overthink it. Um, you can use any type of potato, but you have to change the technique on how you use them. Okay. There's two types of potatoes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of varietals, but they fall into two categories. You have starchy potatoes, like a russet, and then you have a waxy or creamy potato, like a red bee or a Yukon gold. Okay? Traditionally, if you wanted to make um, mashed potatoes, uh, you would take like a, a white baker's potato, those just the standard round ones. Those are also waxy potatoes. And you would peel it, and you would cut it up, and you would boil it, and you would mash it. They're in the standard five or ten pound bags that you see yeah, just the, on yeah. sale Called, at the grocery yep, store. Chef's white potatoes, yeah. standard, standard potatoes. Those you can kind of be pretty free with. You can mix in whatever you'd like, the butter and the cream, agitate them, whip them, whatever you'd like to do. Those will handle that. The creamer style, uh, the waxy style, take that process better. Where a lot of mistakes happen is with starchy potatoes because their starch content say think of anything that would make a good french fry um, or a baked potato their starch content's much higher and so if you peel them and boil them to that point they're going to be fine but when you start to mix them basically what you're doing is you're blending that starch and creating a paste mixture so the starch begins to gelatinize, okay. and you end up with these rubbery, weird, textured potatoes. And that's what the russets you're talking about? That that's happens? what, yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's what usually, if you just type into Google which type of potato, that's I think is what comes up, isn't it? Russet? No. No? No, that's no. a baking type potato. Oh, okay. Oh, that's probably has what I'm a harder of, baked potato. skin. Yeah, yeah. okay. If All you right. just use the one that's on sale, yeah, comes yeah, in a that, five or a ten yeah. pound bag, you <laughs> exactly. can't go wrong. Okay. And basically just... Peel them and quarter them and boil them. Yep. When they're tender to a fork, you take them out, you strain them, put them in back in the pan, uh, put a stick of butter in there, throw in probably start with a cup of milk, some salt and pepper to taste, and you just mash them. Mash them yep. with a hand mixer or with a hand masher or put them in your KitchenAid. Easy enough. And then yep. taste them again. Make sure you have enough salt because yep. um, salt potatoes... They tend not to grab as much salt as a, as a pasta would. So. In the water. No, you're yeah, right. from the yeah. water. So you, you have to add more. Yes. Okay. Salt and, and, and fat is really the key here. It's what's going to make those taste the best. So yeah. butter, and, butter and salt. Okay. I, I like a little buttermilk in mine. Let's right. do, uh, we haven't done any corn. Th How about this? Instead of just continuing to go on this, why don't you guys tell me if you can add one thing. We're not talking dessert yet. We're going to come to dessert. No, okay. So not right. including dessert. Okay. Add something to this. If you each want it, we haven't talked about it yet. Okay. Something I'm forgetting just in case. Uh, what, what, I, what I'm seeing on this menu, you know, besides uh, some, some, you know, things on the side, stuff like that. But the big one missing for me is either uh, uh, sweet potatoes or butternut squash, something, some roasted orange squash mm -hmm. for one of these. Uh, we'd love to do a, um, uh, I like butternut squash with pecans and, and mm -hmm. cranberries. Roast that off and toss it with a little yep. uh, little honey or a little maple. That's delicious. You can do the same thing with acorn squash uh, and the sweet potatoes. Okay. Know. I like pineapple candied sweet potatoes. Those oh, yeah. are oh. delicious. Mm. I don't think I've ever had anything pineapple like that. Pineapple juice and mustard and brown sugar, mm -hmm. and you mix it all up and boil it down till it's nice and thick, and you pour it over the top of the sweet potatoes and put them in the oven yeah, till they're yeah. 
so dry and oh, yeah. just yummy, That's sticky. That's what I'm talking about. That was mm-hmm. yeah. That we had that last year. I think it was the first time so I had it. It's, it's yeah. It's really good. And then then we saved the glaze, and I was eating it on the turkey the next day. <laughs> so yes, <yeah>. okay. <laughs> yes. Should we go to? Speaking a- of which, though, there's always the cranberries as well. Right. Right. Cranberries so, are always a definite for the next day because you need them for your sandwiches. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, actually, before let's do this even before dessert. Okay. How, what's your best way to uh, spend your Thanksgiving Friday? Because we got to eat all this stuff again, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. how do you do it? What's your best way to prepare your leftovers? Um, you know, what, what I like... We did this last year. Um, so Monte Cristo sandwich is basically French toast yeah. uh, with uh, ham and eggs and things like that in the middle of it. I did, uh, I did Thanksgiving Monte Cristos. Nice. So made the French toast and then cranberries, the mashed potatoes, the turkey, and the stuffing, even though there's already bread there. We had more stuffing. Stacked it up and then grilled the whole thing. is unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I like good. to take the leftover potatoes yeah. and I will make pierogies. Put them in the freezer for Christmas time. So yeah. I'll take yeah. the regular potatoes that that are left over and add some cheddar to them, and then put them, fill them in a, a pierogi. And I will also take the sweet potatoes or the sweet mm-hmm. potato casserole with the nuts and the sweet stuff, and I'll make pierogies out of them as well. Oh. And then yeah. we freeze them for Man. Christmas. I oh. remember that we 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 did. We had sweet potato. It was the sweet potato casserole and the cranberries. You'd mix them together yeah, to make pierogies f- last the year. The first year you came, you you came in yeah. and uh, had Thanksgiving with oh, us. Oh yeah, that was right. a few years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you guys ever eat boring? Ever? Oh, yeah. Is definitely. there ever nights where you're just like, oh, we're going to throw some chicken uh, in the oven? Mm-hmm. And- mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and what's, what's funny is the, the, the more, you know, because we've, you know, we've been in the house unless we're out doing, doing gigs. So Laura's home all day, and, and I'm there, and we're finding that, you know, we'll get adventurous a couple times a week. Um, but for the most part, it's just, you know, it's almost like feeding the need at this point. You know, we only cook crazy when we're feeling a little housebound. You know, otherwise, we've even drifted away from traditional, you know, I've always been very much a three meal a day, sit down together and eat and talk about your day. That's kind of fallen to the wayside during this whole thing. Um, Because there's not, you know, there's no home routine. It's not like anybody's coming in the door at four o'clock. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And when we're working, when we're we're cooking for someone, it's basically eating on the run on the way to the gig, you know, (laughs) or afterwards we're hitting some drive through somewhere, eating some. It's talked about. Haven't we all talked about it? So much. Isn't that the thing that absolutely You guys make these amazing meals and then you end up eating McDonald's on the Uh way home. It happens all the time. Yep. You take. You take the tip that they paid you on the event, and you go to the drive-through <laughs> on the way home from the event. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. story of the story it's so of our life. It's sad, but it's true. It's so true, right? And I and by the way, I think you're the first person, Jeffrey, that ever told me that. Okay. That chefs tend to eat drive-through food, mm-hmm. and I mentioned it all. I mentioned it all the time now. Sure. When I talk to chefs, and to a to and a they tea, admit, they, don't they? All admit it. Yeah. Oh yeah. All all of them work all night. They leave 10, 11 o'clock. They're tired. Mm-hmm. And they realize they're hungry and they go to Wendy's. Well, well the thing know. is, while you're cooking, you don't get you hungry don't. because no. you're smelling it and tasting it all day long. So your body thinks you've been eating. Yeah. So you're not hungry until you leave. Yeah. And then you go, and oh then my you're God. like, oh my God. And I also the am adrenaline rush dark. of getting through the yes. night. Right? Oh, yeah. So now you settle down a little. You get in your car and now you're like, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And then your body goes, hey, we haven't eaten. I, uh, yeah. So it was about a week ago. I, I did a gig. It was a it was a wedding, you know. And they had right up until um, uh, three days before the wedding, they had planned on having sixty people. And then the state changed the rules, and so we had to go from what was going to be sixty five people played and served to 
35 people dropped off and, and left in steam trays. So it was very stressful yeah. uh, because everything had changed. And at the end of the day, I got done with the gig. I got in the car and I started the car and I went, I haven't eaten all day and I haven't used the bathroom since I got <laughs> up this morning. And it's now 930 at night yeah. and I'm, you know, your, your body just goes to this weird place yeah. Yeah. where you can't think about anything you, else. You get like adrenaline rush. Just yeah. That's right. It, it, exactly. Your body turns everything <laughs> off and just works. Yeah, it's, it's right. exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Let's Definitely. talk dessert. Thanksgiving dessert, oh, Laura. Man. I turn to you. I have the dessert of all desserts this okay. year. Okay. I'm so Usually. looking forward to this. <laughs> okay. Usually I make all the different pies. Yeah. I'll have all these different pies and then I'll have a cake for the, the pie haters. Um, but it just, it ends up sitting there and, and Jeffrey and I don't want all this pie later because I try to make a pumpkin and a pecan and an apple and a cherry because everybody likes something different, right. but then they all have a piece cause they're, they're stuffed and then it's, it's left for us. So this year I am putting together Now you mentioned earlier, a, 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 a turducken, a turducken, turducken yeah. correct. This year I'm making a, Pie cakein. What? <laughs> a pie cakein. It's basically one mean. dessert. It's a cake, but it's a layer of pecan pie, a layer of pumpkin pie, a layer of carrot cake, and then it's got apple pie on top, and it's all basically coated in. I'm going to do a cream cheese frosting. Yeah, a you said like a cinnamon. Cheese. Yeah, cinnamon cream. Oh cheese. my god. Yeah. So Wait, when have you, you s- practiced this, or is this you're just going to go for it? No, I don't need to practice this. You just buy no theory. It'll work. This. It, okay. I mean, It'll this work. is amazing. This and these is are like. Uh, yeah. This isn't. This isn't even just pie filling. These are full pies. Full pies. Shell and all. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's going to so, be one giant thing. So, so this is going to be. What do you want? What do you want? What would you like? It's going to be like. No, here. Eat it. Eat what you want. Leave the rest. I don't care. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't wait. When it comes to pie, what are the right what what pies are the most? I mean, pumpkin. Pumpkin, Apple, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Pecan. I'm a, I've been a pecan. That's pecan. pecan. For me, my yeah. whole life, I've always been a pecan pie fan. Pecan, yep, yep, yep. Yep. But but Definitely. I notice I don't know that it's a top. Is it? It oh, is. Do you I think. think it is? Yeah, oh, it isn't. Definitely. It is in our house. I mean, Apple's uh-huh. definitely the number one yeah. nationwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right after that, you can we can argue a little. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Right? I'd say yeah. I mean, you know, the thing with that's always disappointing about pie is nobody ever thinks of it until the fall, right? I, I mean, you get the berry pies in the spring. But usually at the holidays, you don't see a lot of the berries, right? Because everybody's right. in that seasonal mode of pumpkin and apple and pecan. And so, I, I mean, you know, but then you got the cream pies. And I, I don't know if they fall in the same categories, you mm. know. They're, yeah. a, they're a Christmassy thing, I think. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. But. Okay. Well, that is it. That is that. Yeah. Yeah, so you got to get pictures of that. A okay. pie cake-in. Definitely will. And I don't yeah. know when the baking competition wraps, but like that could be, I'll <laughs> tell you what, I can't imagine anyone from Beach if that's here. I'm not sure I'd have <laughs> enough time in the baking competition to actually put together, you know, three pies and oh, a yeah. cake. Is but that, how many hours of work is that? Oh, oh that's going to be. Well, one, two, three, probably four hours. Four hours? Mm-hmm. Well, of bake yeah. time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then assembly and and yeah. Frosting. How big is your guys' kitchen? Do you guys like? Are you running into each other constantly <laughs> in your kitchen? No, we got a beautiful dance down. We have actually. a very Do big you? kitchen. Yeah. She basically she orbits me like a satellite, right? right? Because I'm so big, it takes me 30 seconds to move in one direction, so she can dart in and out and around. It's like a game of Frogger, really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I I do most of our cooking at home, and okay. I have I have a wife who has 
mastered the art of knowing how to be exactly where uh, I don't need her to be right uh, now. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking uh-huh. about? Uh-huh. I just, you can... just standing there watching, right? You're she like, just you has just... a way. Like, I will oftentimes, I'll go, how is it possible? Uh-huh. I need to get to that drawer right now. And you at the exact same time come from the other. It's unreal. Yes. But you guys are pros, so you know how to work around That's each right. other. That's we, we why do. they make kitchen islands. Tell her to go sit at yeah, it. The other Get her a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I've, 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 uh, I've been known, like, my, I'm, see, I'm very... I'm very casual, right? If I if we're in the kitchen and I may be feeling a little tenseness or, you know, maybe she is is, you know, maneuvering in the space I need, I'll be like, "Honey, wouldn't it be great if you just took a break? I think you've been working so hard. Maybe you should go sit yeah. down for a little bit. Yeah. You go sit down over there, and I'm going to go use the kitchen. That's right. It's <laughs> usually, here's you? a glass of wine. Yeah. The hot tub is nice and warm. Why don't you just go chill out for a little while? You just need to rest and put your feet up. Uh-huh. There is yeah. something about when you're in the kitchen. The, the chef, every once in a while, will give off the vibe of, get the fuck out of my yeah. way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And, oh, and yeah. Sometimes they're like kind, and, they're, mm-hmm. they're, and then other times mm-hmm. there's a clear message. <laughs> I've never let anyone else cook in my kitchen except for this man wow. right here wow yeah. that's why i knew i had to marry him Hot. Yeah, it worked out yeah. could it be said that's possibly the kinkiest thing you guys have done you don't have to answer that um, no you don't have to answer that okay well, yeah, well, uh, well we've already talked about some of the kinky dinners we've done oh that's <laughs> right i forgot that was on the last podcast oh man oh man yeah. I, that is crossing a line but you know what for the man you love that's right yeah. that's right that's right all right, I think we did it. Yeah, I think uh, Thanksgiving. I think you got it covered. So, so with your fresh bird, how how when are you picking it up? It's coming here, I think, on Friday or Monday. Okay. Friday this week or Monday right. next week. How yeah. big is it? Oh, I well tomorrow, I guess. I'm forgetting. Oh yeah, right, Sunday. right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know actually. Mm-hmm. You know who got it for me is Jay Speranza, Tony D. Oh, yeah. Chef. Uh, yeah. he, we're we're making his sauce, and he's heading out here to pick that up on Friday, I think. Sure. Uh, so two days ago. God, I hate podcasts. Yeah, they're yeah, not. Right. Remember live radio when things were just live in the uh-huh. morning. Uh huh. I sure do. Yeah. I have to remember. Anyway, and now everything on the radio, you know, the disclaimer of you know portions of this yeah. broadcast are pre-recorded. <laughs> Of course, yeah, and it's coming yeah, from another damn yeah. state too. So, well, uh, yeah, most of the time, yeah. What do you think of the state of radio these days? It's sad. It's yeah. sad, man. You're and an ex-radio guy for anyone who doesn't yeah. realize that. And again, you can go back to our last podcast and hear yeah. a little bit of that. But. It's you know, it's tough. I mean, the consolidation that happened in the '90s when I was involved in radio, I thought was was catastrophic. You talking about like the Clear Channel, 1996? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, everything. we were we were an independent station and. Um, we didn't get bought up by any of the big guys because the market was a little too small. But even so, we did have you know regional places come in and buy out and then start utilizing talents on multiple stations. Sure. But what's going on now? Absolutely crazy. I mean, you know, you've got radio groups that have one or two or three in market talents for you know six stations. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. I think my old employer they is probably one of the better. You know, there's the two big ones in town is iHeartMedia sure. and Entercom. Yep, and both of them really have enough staff to basically fully staff like one and a half stations. Uh, yeah, right. You know, and they but they both have like four or five stations. Sure, I guess iHeart has like six. Well, and 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 I mean, even when you were, you know, when you were were in the industry just just recently, they were going to, you know, simulcasting or, or not simulcasting, but using talent in different markets. Oh on the yeah, same show. Yeah, we've and, noticed that and, lately. And, and like, now that has become, yeah. you know, the thing. And I, I think the part that really bugs me about it is it loses its authenticity. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hear two hosts talking like they're in the same room if they're not within the same city. Right. 
Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's, it just feels contrived at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's, you know, there's a lot of things that they've been doing like that. There's other tricks they've been doing for years that, and then, and then the business is dying. That's oh, the sure. other thing. Sure. You know, and they're, the company as a whole is trying to pivot mm-hmm. into this digital world, right. podcasts and whatnot. But then the problem is that's the company as a whole. That's the board of directors, the right. CEO that see that. And they're like, we have to turn the ship this way and that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, that filters down to the local markets where they still got to make money. Absolutely. And then right now they're still resting on the past laurels to make their money. Exactly. So they, they're, they're going with traditional sort of traditional radio ratings and sales based on listeners and things like that. And that's how they're actually trying to make money right now. And it just sucks because if they could just all get on the same page and shift in that direction, it feels like they could do better. Well, and I mean, even yourself as a small businessman, you know, I look at it as like my, my business wouldn't necessarily benefit from running any radio advertising. Um, I don't feel like it would generate any traffic for me. Um, And, and I feel like when you have, uh, uh, local people trying to survive off a local revenue stream that's being created by businesses that probably can't have people walk in the door anymore. I mean, you know, that really affects the entire supply chain, if you will, of, of generating revenue from local radio sales. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say is uh, they are, they're laying people off, which mm-hmm. sucks. Yes. All, yeah. they, all media yeah. companies, have been, they're laying people off. They're crying poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're bankrupt, or they're filing for bankruptcy. Yeah. But your next chance to win a thousand dollars is coming up <laughs> at the top of the hour. Absolutely. Wow. Every time I hear that, I cringe and I go, "How tone deaf can you be?" Absolutely. Right. <laughs> well, next- in, you know the the thing that bugs me. The the reason I always appreciated local radio is because of its market approach, right? But even now, the contests are national. Yeah. You know, everything's national. And, and, you know, if, if any listener just intelligently listens to the radio for a half hour, you know, to hear how out of touch they, the entire industry is, is crazy. I mean, even, even so, I mean, everybody knows we have a boatload of kids and I, I bet you there isn't one of our kids that listens to the radio. No, young people. No, no, yeah, no. no one no. listens. And, and with respect to the, you know, my old bosses, I think that that was, they knew that, sure. you know, so that was one of the big, my big beefs was there was no tour. There was no thought of the future. Right. It was all about right now. It yeah. Was right. right now no thought of the future. And now that I think about it, to give them the benefit of the doubt, they probably just realize there isn't a future. So Mm, they're like, then we need to squeeze this lemon right now and get as much juice out of this thing as we can. Well, I would would agree. I mean, radio, it's funny because... I, I always say that, that culinary professionals have a tendency to be a backwards-looking bunch because we're working off of textbooks that are two or 300 years old, right? There are a lot of progressive chefs out there, but in general, we rely on what's occurred. We're now facing a situation where it's, it's got to change. We can't do what has occurred before. Radio's kind of in that same boat, you know? That, the people that are in radio and are still devotees of radio were the ones that were listening in the 70s and 80s yeah. as when it was an emerging well, you know, thing age. and it's just right. exactly yeah they're, they're our age you know i remember when i first started in radio it was 2003 uh it was it was kind of cool still yeah, radio was kind of sure. cool still yeah. 2005 even when i came to rochester 2010 i started working for brother wheeze it was mm-hmm. still pretty cool yeah the last few years it was it was almost there was a cringeworthiness to like mm-hmm. if you had to talk to a stranger and tell them you worked on the radio. They were right. kind of like, the radio? The like radio. the radio? Right. And you're like, yeah, the radio. Like the yeah. FM radio. And yeah. it was almost like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, mm-hmm. oh <laughs> yeah. my God. And uh-huh. how do you pay the bills? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what did we not cover? Anything else? Oh, man. I think, uh-huh. we, I think we got everything. I think we did. I think yeah. we did. All what right, is it that stuff. you want to cook that you... Uh, 
I think I got pretty much everything I want to do. The only thing that I didn't on my list here, uh, and it's because the recipe is going to come from my mom, is something she calls corn souffle. No. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a, it's not quite cornbread. It's almost like corn cake. I don't quite know how to. No, it's called a spoon bread. Is that what it is? Yep. Okay. Okay. And uh, you you know a little bit about I, that. So, I do yeah. have a I, yeah, well, you got my, your, my yeah. corn casserole corn. recipe yeah. is very yeah, similar to that. Oh gosh, you're gonna hit me off the spot here. Okay, I'm gonna have to say it it uses a box of Jiffy cornbread oh, mix. That's right. I remember now. I remember that. Did I give you this recipe last time, or did <laughs> I, think, I hold it I, over your head? <laughs> I think you may have held it over our head because then I think last time we were talking about re- uh, chefs who don't like giving out recipes. Right. Oh. Or when you have right, a secret recipe, that's right. That's give it right. Out. I mean, honestly, it's all over the internet now. It's like every Variations time I turn around, yeah. someone else is making a variation of this, so you can find it online. But it basically uses Jiffy cornbread mix, uh, sour cream, butter. Uh, a can of creamed corn, a can of regular corn, and I use cheddar cheese and jalapenos. And I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it's I, I think so good. That's I'm pretty sure that that's exactly. It. I said my mom's corn souffle. That's what it is. It I think is. the only thing is she holds the jalapenos, but that's right. Yeah, you know, right. That's my mom hates any spice, anything even resembling <laughs> yeah. spice. Yeah, that's spice. But that's that. It's so good. Yeah. It's, not, it's just, and it turns yeah. out it's not cornbread, right? It's no, corn, it's spoon bread. Yeah, that's what you call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it's is a casserole. That, that's the casserole that beat out my 24-hour smoked right. beef brisket when we were feeding Richard Sands. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Jennifer is, you know, just in love with it. They, they're like, yeah, the beef's okay, but that cornbread. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That was a 99-cent box of Jiffy. <laughs> Did you remember the show Two Broke Girls? Do you remember yeah. that? I loved it. Do you loved remember it. like when she finally she had these cut these great cup cakes and then finally oh, yeah. when she like revealed the recipe it was like she took was it Duncan Hines mm-hmm. and she put a cup of that into Betty Crocker mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> that was her secret recipe well I mean come on you and I have talked about it what's, what's the percentage that you have to adulterate only 5% only 5% and yeah. then it's yours and then That's it's right. yours yes That's I right. really cannot talk in detail about that no, but I but... definitely know of some situations where <laughs> A lot of someone else's sauce is used to make someone else's sauce. Isn't that something? Hey, I raised, I raised two kids all on my own, and I was the queen of semi-homemade. semi-homemade. Let me tell you what. Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. I'm not a baker at all, but I'm a fat guy, so I love desserts. <laughs> so I am not afraid of boxed mm-hmm. no, desserts. No, no. I always it's, go with it's, nope. it's basically just all pre-measured for you. Exactly. Somebody mm-hmm. missed your plus for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's funny. It's true. All right, guys. Thank right. you very much. Good all stuff. All right.